0: The humanitarian situation inside Afghanistan is worsening.
1: The Taliban has taken full control of Afghanistan.
0: The country simply cannot cope with another refugee
1: crisis. We do love so many people that listen to the show and we know that so many people have unique stories. And this one... Uh, Look, it's been in the news. We've seen all the the terrible images coming out of Afghanistan as well. Um, and one of our listeners who called up um, and wants to share their story is DJ. Now, you have, what do you, you manage a cafe in the city?
2: Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm the founder of Rikish Espresso in the city. Mm-hmm. Is that when uh, they
1: didn't offer you a coffee when you came in here?
2: Yeah, no, they did offer, but I was like, oh, I already had my coffee. I cannot <laughs> cheat on my own coffee. <laughs> I don't want your, none of your rubbish. <laughs>
1: now, you are a former Afghani refugee. Yes. Can you tell your story?
2: Well, it's a very long story, but I'll make it really super cut short. So what is happening now in my country, it happened 20 years ago. Mm. So I've been a refugee for the past 20 years. And uh, what happened that... In this situation, exactly similar, Taliban attacked my village and killed my father. Mm. So in 2003, I become homeless and they come after me and I had to escape the country.
1: Why did they come and kill your father?
2: Because my father was the oldest man in the village and he was the the wise man, mm-hmm. decision makers in the village. And his decision was that to have school for opening school education for Kids, especially women, you know, mm. his always ideology was that men and women is mm. equal, e- and that's not the Taliban they want. They were not, mm. we don't want that. And we, we are farmers, we used to have peach, apricots, all these uh, fruits. They said, No, you got to grow opium, like everything against mm. my father. With my father said, I'm not gonna do this. So they were negotiating to meet in a middle ground, but then it didn't happen and then they killed my father. Mm. So I'm the oldest, often often Australian wonder why they come after you because I'm the oldest son in my family and I will be the next leader in the village. Mm. So in your culture, it is 800, 900 years back, it was like that. Mm -hmm. Mm. So in my culture is exactly right now is like this. So in good case scenario, after my father, I would be the leader. Mm. But in that case, you know, they killed my father and then I would be the next leader. If I survive, I have to go get them to court. Mm. The person that killed my father. If I didn't survive, then I would be dead. So I had to run for my life. Mm. Mm. Interesting
0: um, just hearing you say there that your dad ran the village. He was didn't want to grow the drugs for them that they wanted. Yeah. He supported women and educating them. Yeah. Do you find when people find out that you're from Afghanistan, there are assumptions that all the Afghan people have the same ideologies with women and things uh, that the Taliban do?
2: Well, especially we, yeah, especially we Hazaras, so we are Shia Muslims. Mm -hmm. So I cannot represent the rest, you know. But we Hazara, we Shia Muslim, and we have got, we totally do not believe what they say totally opposite of them mm. so right now my sisters my family they in Pakistan they study they do everything and the rest of Hazaras they do the same thing mm. women they study they work they teach is like similar here that's how we want you know equality give every them freedom of speech you know work everything uh I, I cannot tell about other people who Yeah. yeah. Well you
0: have said that the Taliban have said that since they've taken power again, um they've said that they will allow women to uh work and be educated. Um most popular theory on that is they're just saying that for now. Do you, do you having known them firsthand, do you think they've changed since twenty mm. years ago?
2: No, I don't think so. Right now they're doing that they make themselves famous on the world because everyone is on them. Mm. Right now they're just making it like this. But I doubt it. Mm. it. There's no way they would do that. No way.
1: How did you escape?
2: Oh. <laughs> okay. So from my, I, I came from Daikundi. Previously, it was Uruzgan province. Uruzgan, where Australian forces, they were. Mm. So it was Uruzgan was a big province. But in 2004, it got separated, and uh, from there is a central. It's very difficult to get out. So one of my neighbor he put me in his car boot and he traveled me through all the night and day drive and he smuggled me into Pakistan. Mm. So I had to escape overnight. Mm. I didn't take anything with me. Like right now my family, they live in Pakistan in a bordering city called Quetta, And uh, over the Taliban, they have told them, hey, you live now like, like this. Mm. Yeah. Just take your cloth and run. Mm. If you want to take a suitcase, you you killed right. If you cannot. They didn't. They couldn't get their money, their documents, nothing. Just, Just run. Just go. Mm. There's one opportunity, which was true. Mm. Now they closed everything, so no one. Everyone is stuck. Mm-hmm. I was the same situation, but one individual person. Mm. So is that the last time you saw your family? No, my family escaped after me. Yeah.
0: Pakistan,
2: yeah, to Pakistan. So you've, so,
0: you've been back to Pakistan to, uh, when, to see them,
2: yeah. i go every three years because Pakistan is not safe either. No, so because of this feature, Hazara means we are the we we look like Mongols, mm-hmm. and it's easy for them to distinguish like, oh, they don't question are you Shia, are you no, Sunni, uh, what believe you're, you are, you mm. are non believer, doesn't matter, right? They can tell, and then like. Out of movies, you know, like Assassin's Creed, you know, one bullet in the head and they go. Mm. Myself, I literally dodged few bullets. Mm.
0: So, so you're saying you could literally land there, they would take one look at your face and then shoot you where you stand?
2: Well, not literally, they're not waiting on the airport, but mm. they do have, in Pakistan, they, they had this... Uh, What do you call them? They they, they go around and... Like
1: spies? No, no. informers? No,
2: no. What's the name of it? The assassins. Ah, yes. Oh, okay. They have assassins on motorbike and they walk around and, you know, Mm. they drive around and that's what they do. Mm. Wow. Wow.
1: What did you think, having escaped, about foreign countries coming in to try and help the Afghan um, army? what's your ther- theories on those? Because we've spoken to people, you know, that soldiers from Australia that went over and tried to, uh, I guess, help the army or help the citizens. What yeah. do you think about the foreign armies going in to Afghanistan?
2: Oh, it's, it's uh, you know, the politics is a bit very, very uh, uh, deep. Yeah. So, uh, to me, you know, yeah, I believe this is all under America, United States, that's yeah. what they make decision, okay, you come and take over tonight, mm-hmm. we will leave, or no, you can't do that, so it's, it's their choice, but generally, you know, when Australians, they were there, it was nice for us, you know, provide a job, you know, provide a job for us, and and i know a good friend of mine she was working for children support children or something Mm -hmm. creating you know opportunities you know parks little parks for kids and everything it was thriving and i could see a little bit light in the darkness Mm. but somehow you know the past three years i was feeling like oh my god he's gonna go somewhere bad but i don't know when it's gonna happen Mm. and it happened It must be
0: strange when you hear stories as well about, so all the troops are gone now. Yeah. Everyone's left. Excuse me. But they've left behind billions of dollars worth of equipment because they left so hastily. Does it infuriate you to think that uh, the armies went over, the American army went over and effectively have left all of this? Like The Taliban has the most amount of equipment that they've ever had in their lifetime. Yeah. Now, that must be super frustrating from someone who's been right there on the ground.
2: It is, it is very, very frustrating for us. You know, they could, they could divide that for the oppositions. Hey, oppositions, we're living. Take this, we're going. Uh, I think everything has been pre-planned. Mm. Everything has been pre-planned.
0: So you thought it was always meant to end this way?
2: Well, no, pre-planned. No, I, I did not. I, did, I couldn't believe that it's going to end like this way, leaving billions of dollars worth of, you know, all those weapons and everything. I did not thought it was going to be end up that way, but this is the worst, you know, that they have done it. Mm.
1: Do you think Australia has been welcoming of you? Or do you, like, There's a, we're hearing from a lot of people that are still in, um, you know, refugee camps that they haven't actually got status here as visas has it has it been welcoming to you
2: well it has been it has been I've been here since 2010 Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, I was a year and a half in detention center and I got out so I I, I built myself you know I made myself you know good life great life here I'm happy with that so I couldn't bring my children my family Mm. and uh, yeah, so uh, I've been welcomed by Australians, by uh, people, mm-hmm. but still, you know, I haven't. I just applied, applied for my children and my so your family. Your children
1: aren't with you. No, now. no, no Where? one
2: is with me. They're, they're in, Pakistan. in Pakistan. Yeah, they're refugees in okay. Pakistan. So I've got two boys, 17 and 19, and they live with my mom. I've got sisters that they live there. So the the, the rules has changed so much that. I cannot, uh, until I heard yesterday, I was on the phone with immigration. They said, now, I haven't been citizen yet. I've been waiting for that for the past four years. Mm -hmm. But uh, yesterday, I was on the phone with them. They said, no, with your permanent residence, now you can bring your family because situation is really bad. So, Mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully, they will... Hopefully, yeah, I've got a I've got a beautiful human being in my life, Kathleen Conroy. Mm-hmm. She's helping me, you know, to bring them over, and is going to be good. Mm. So you had to so.
0: leave a seven and a nine-year-old, and and flee to another country in the hope that you could get them get them here.
2: Well, before that, before that, uh, you know, going back to the conversation that going around the world illegally. I I've been refugee since two thousand three. I left. Two years old behind back then. I went Where? to Europe illegally. In 2003, I went to Europe. It took me three and a half months underneath of the trucks. Wow. You know, under the boat. Mm. So, to nowhere. Mm. I lived there seven years. Back then, I left two years old son behind. And my second son, he was, he was in my, my mother of children. She was pregnant with the mm. second boy. Oh, so that wow. was the first journey that I went to Europe. Yeah. Then come back. with I hope we bond together. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but they're 17 and 19. And when I, I look at back how many how many years I have been spending with them, maybe maximum one year really? in their life. Wow. Do you
0: look at other people? I mean, everything you've gone through and the hardships that you faced, You must look at people who go like, oh, I'm having a shit day because I'm late for work or and just go, shut the hell up. You know what I mean? (laughs) And you're so bubbly and so cheerful as well. Like you must look at people that think they've had a bad day or think they're going through something tough and go, you actually don't have any idea
2: yeah no exactly. When some people that close to me, they whinge a lot. It mm. just makes me a bit annoyed. Mm. but mm. generally, yeah, I'm looking at them like, you know nothing. Mm. Yeah. you yeah. are
0: Australian. He just said with the word whinge, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I do tell them, you know nothing what is what is what is a bad day? Mm. That is a bad day when you wake up, you go to work, bang, you get killed. Yeah, right. Yep.
1: All those times that you've been in, you know, as you said, under trucks, back of the cars, in the boats, you must have had a huge amount of faith that you were going somewhere better or it was going to work out.
2: Well, for me, always it was that if if I don't risk it, I'm not going to make it. If I go back, I'm going to get killed anyway. Yeah. Mm. So if I if if I died under a boat or under, under a truck or whatever, I have nothing to lose uh, my life, you know, but if i go back is gonna i'm gonna lose it anyway mm. but i knew that if I, if i make it if if i didn't die i'm gonna make if i did not die it, it would be great i can help myself and my family mm. but if i if i'm dead if i go back i'm dead anyway so nothing to lose nothing to lose i have nothing to lose here
1: how does a refugee like you've done you said you started up the cafe yeah that's an extraordinary thing to to do there's people that struggle you know I guess starting businesses on their own but to come over with with absolutely nothing that's amazing that you've managed to have a successful business
2: well I started always I wanted so I had this great uh, when I was in detention center I had this great you know visualization meditation that one day I want to have a nice cafe a nice car a nice house being free man you know back then i wasn't free i'm like when i'm free that's what i want but when i got out you know i started working day and night and then i got a little coffee stall in western market called rickish espresso so from there i worked my way my way up start working there and then working here being still dish pig you know working the restaurants, washing dish in the evening and mm working morning, you know. So now there's people whinging, working 25, 30 hours. I'm so tired of
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> my minimum hours are 50, 60 hours, yeah. you know. Yeah. But then people, oh, how do you do this? I don't know. It's, you got to do it, you know. You tell yourself yeah. you do it, you mm. know.
0: It does give a real, hearing your story, and I hope it does the same for people listening this morning, it puts a real perspective on things for people. You know, you were a man running from your life, running for your life after your father lost his, dreaming of having the freedom to work 60 hours a week for money. You know, like that was, that's what you were visualizing running a cafe and having a business, whereas people think, God, I wish I could just wake up and do nothing today.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, right.
0: such a, it's such an extreme yeah, an view on the person. world, isn't it? Mm. Um, we really appreciate you coming in this morning and sharing your story, DJ. Um, it's really great to meet you finally, so thanks for coming in.
2: Yeah, no worries. It's my pleasure to share my stories and uh, always, always, it does take me back. It does affect my, you know, my mental health. Mm but i'm good i do ice baths i do yoga so it gets me gets me back where i am mm. but always uh, always am more than happy to educate my australian fellows i have no country so i have no identity mm. but i'm i'm i can see one day i'll be australian and i'm willing to share my stories and educate my australian people you know mm. that that's how it is you know refugees yep. comes we are not troublemakers mm. We are You're coffee makers yeah we're coffee makers hard workers, we're making we're yeah. yeah, hard yeah. workers and we're we're peaceful people we come here for peace you know mm. we run for peace we don't want to be we don't we're not troublemakers. if you make trouble that's a, back in the home is mm. better place to make trouble mm-hmm. not here yeah
1: stav Abby and Matt for breakfast b105.